Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Pubs, Pints, People, the camera podcast that brings great pub chat to wherever you are. I'm Alison Tafts and I'm joined this month by guest host Simon Webster and our regular host, of course, Claire Phillips, as we kick off another season of great pub, club, beer and cider interviews, news and stories. We have an action-packed episode for you today, returning to the airwaves in style. So why don't you crack open a nice beer or cider with some mince pies, perhaps, and get yourself comfortable. It's great to open another season of the podcast with you both um, as we all get ready for the festive season, which really is just a great opportunity to drink fantastic beer, isn't it? Um, This week's episode is titled Tis the Season for Food and Drink, and it really is. I know my social media is currently awash with photos of various beers from brewery advent calendars, which really seems to have taken off in recent years. And I'm just wondering, have you both got your Christmas plans organised yet? I'm woefully underprepared for Christmas, as I always am, um, especially at this time of year. It's far too early. I always look at those advent calendars, but I never really get into them because I think if I ordered 24 beers and, and opened one a day... I'd probably end up with quite a lot left that I wouldn't drink until after Christmas because, I, you know, with the best will in the world, I don't think I'd manage a, a, a beer every single day in the in the run-up to, to Christmas. But do, do either of you do Christmas beery advent calendars? Last year I bought one which was um, German beers. So beers you'd never seen and, and a variety of styles from your sort of traditional lager through some of the, the darker German beers. So I, I quite enjoyed that, but I haven't been tempted to buy one this year. What about you, Alison? Well, we sort of sell them rather than yeah. <laughs> buying them. Yeah. But yes, we have had um, some beautiful boxes uh, of bottles and cans for people, each labelled with a date, and that's a lot of fun because obviously we hand do them. Being a small pub, we don't have you know ready printed versions. But yeah, it's been really nice. I have to confess though, my advent calendar this year is a Scotch whisky one, so oh. I've got lots of lovely little drams ready for when the cold nights and after shift, and I need something to pick me up. So yes, I'll be doing. A little a little dram of whiskey this year it's nice to talk about some sort of normality at christmas because i mean you know after all the the post the, you know the pandemic and now really i suppose this is our first post-pandemic christmas um the last couple of years we've seen so many things cancelled sometimes right up to the last minute but hopefully we're all going to get back to normal have a nice pandemic free christmas holiday and and get together with friends and family again 
Oh, amen to that. Yes, we've just put up our decorations in the hop-in in the last few days. So we've been digging out and unwinding the lights uh, and getting everything to look a little bit more festive in the micropub. Um, and it is a special time of the year. We've had some Christmas beers on and it's great for camera members with all the fantastic festive brews out there. There's even a beer infused Christmas pudding on sale. So we're really and making sure we're getting beer involved in the Christmas festivities. Wine and spirits are obviously very traditional accompaniments for Christmas meals, but definitely beer, cider and perry can fit in very nicely. A nice glass of chilled sparkling cider could be perfect to celebrate Christmas and New Year. Uh, we love Gospel Green in Hampshire. They have a rosé and a brute cider. And these are ciders made using the traditional method, so exactly the same as champagne and English speaking sparkling wine. It's really beautiful, crisp, tiny bubbles, very very special now i'm going to be opening a bottle of beautiful perry on christmas morning uh, no surprises people who know me i'm a bit obsessed with perry but there are some really delicious options uh, and it can be really refreshing and a, an original alternative to the standard prosecco or champagne the other benefit is the lower alcohol level so you can have it with your breakfast if you want to and i'm going to be drinking a perry from oliver's this year that's tom oliver in herefordshire but I also recommend Greg's Pit. They make amazing Herefordshire uh, Perry, as well as Bartistry and Little Pomona. If you want to go to Somerset, then Hex in Somerset. The family uh, cider makers are amazing at uh, making Perry too. Oh, Alison, you're, you're already making me rethink my plans for my first drink on Christmas Day, which would traditionally be a, a glass of Prosecco or a glass of Champagne. But um, you've got me thinking about some of those ciders that I might want to try now, actually. Um, but returning to beer, if you like darker and stronger beers at this time of the year, which is something I'm very partial to, uh, Black Isle Brewery up in the Scottish Highlands has just launched its Colonel Custard's Christmas Ale, which comes in at a whopping 11% ABV. Of course, if you're not that back too quickly, that might put you at risk of snoring on the sofa during uh, King Charles's first Christmas message this year. Slightly less potent is another Christmas Ale from Shepherd Neem down in Kent. Uh, this comes in at 7% ABV and is described as full-bodied and complex with hints of spice and mulled fruits. Or if we take a little trip up to northwest Wales, Purple Moose have their Merry Exmoose at a modest 5% ABV, and they recommend drinking it by a roaring fire surrounded by your nearest and dearest. Well, of course, at this time of year, you also can't really avoid mulled wine. Um, I did have some the other day. It wasn't the best, I have to say, but then it had been in a thermos flask for most of the morning, so that probably didn't help either. But a, a great alternative is actually mulled cider. And you can make your own. You can use the usual spices, brown sugar and fruit. Obviously, simmer it gently, don't boil it. Um, instead of chucking in a load of brandy or whatever else you put into your usual mulled wine, um, how about using something like Calvados, apple brandy? Now, Lime Bay down in Devon makes a good whole juice jack rat mulled cider. That's available in bottles. Perry's Family Cidery in Somerset and the wonderful Apple Pie Cider from Turner's in Kent. That's delightful, hot or cold. Um, and if you're cooking up a special festive meal, real cider can make an excellent sauce for the pork and gammon. Uh, you could put some some dark ales in as well, in, in your gravies or your, or your roasts. And actually... Talking of the spiced ciders, um, there's one that I'm hoping to try from not far away from me, uh, just in, in Essex. Um, it's the Wibbler's 
brewery. Uh, they make cider as well. I think I think they were the first people to have, or the first brewery to have both their beers and cider at the Great British Beer Festival. But don't quote me on that. I might be wrong. But um, Whibblers in in South Essex, um, they they have a spice cider. I'm looking forward to trying that. Uh, hopefully over this Christmas. Yeah, good to drink local. Um, we're serving spiced cider in the Hop In, of course, uh, and we are showing a wonderful spiced cider from Crafty Apple, which I can very much recommend as well. Of course, the backdrop to all of the festive cheer is a really difficult period for the nation pubs, clubs, breweries and cider producers. With the, with the cost of goods growing uh, and this crisis clashing heads with the cost of spending crisis for our customers, the best thing we can do to help our locals is to go out and use them this festive season and beyond. Make sure we book those all-important family and friend gets-togethers down at the local. And who knows, you might even discover your new favourite beer or cider. Yes, it certainly is a challenging time for many pubs and I think breweries uh, at the moment and the the festive period will be crucial. And also, I know we were chatting a little bit earlier around the the challenges you have of running a a, a pub uh, with Christmas parties, but also the World Cup taking place and and the impact that's had uh, on your takings. So, um, you know, our our message to to our listeners is is make sure you get out and support your local pubs and perhaps go to a pub that you've uh, never been to before but thought you might want to pop into. Now, as we said, this episode is all about beer and food, and we have some fantastic interviews coming up. We'll be speaking first with Christian Gott, a recent convert to camera, who is a chef working at Liberation Brewery in the Channel Islands. We'll also hear from the Brewers Association, which is based over in America, about all things beer and food, before finally we shine a spotlight on Bedford via a chat with the local branch as well as the local Wells & Co. Brewery. Yes, uh, very much enjoyed chatting to um, the, the guys in Bedford. We'll hear from them a little later on. But without further ado, we're going to sit down with Christian Gott. I caught up with him a little while earlier um, before the podcast. And we talked about the, the beer pairings that uh, you might have with the traditional things that you want to eat at Christmas. It is a touch of luxury, but it's it's an affordable touch of luxury. Um, because it's very rich, it's oily, so again, you need something to cut through those flavours, and it's, it's salty and it's smoky, so you need quite a robust beer. And the suggestion I've got is, is for a pilsner, um, lots of dry hopping, and uh, I'm a fan of, there's a, a great one called the Baron Brewing Manhunt Pilsner, and it's, it's lots of citrus flavors in there lime and lemon and and tangerine and and, and gooseberry it's that really sharp but it's got a little bit of herb in there as well and it's just what you want to kind of counteract the richness of the the smoked salmon yeah you can see how how those flavors would really complement the the smoked salmon and another popular starter with with your christmas meal you can't beat a good a good pate or terrine something like that no, exactly. You know, it comes under lots of different names. It's uh, like you say, pate or a, a terrine. You don't have to make it. You know, there's lots of artisan delis and, and big supermarkets that sell absolutely wonderful pates now. What do you serve that pate with? Some toast, maybe a, a fruit chutney? Go with that fruit theme. If you can find a nice like cherry chutney or cranberry chutney, then a lambic beer, a fruit flavoured one. There is also another pairing that's an idea is an ESB, an extra special bitter or English pale ale. They've got really almost earthy flavours and still got the fruit, the hops cutting through. 
you know, one of the classic English pale ales, Timothy Taylor's or London Pride, depending on whether you're from north or south. I can't imagine that there's anything that Timothy Taylor's landlord doesn't go with, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared to keep trying. But <laughs> Yes, yeah, it is one of those, isn't it? It's ideal with Christmas cake and a slice of Wensley Dale. It, it does go with so much. It's that Christmas Day beer, but we've still got others to mention as well for a change. But yeah, a fantastic beer with so many things. And I guess moving on to the, the turkey, what would you pick up next? The turkey is the centrepiece. It's still the most popular Christmas roast. The thing is, is when you're having turkey, you've got lots and lots of different flavours there. You know, you've got turkey, crispy skin you've probably seasoned it well you've got salty bacon wrapped around your uh, little pigs in blankets you've got cranberries you've probably got a stuffing you've got potatoes or any any number of stuffings my mother's christmas dinner you know if there's not at least three stuffings maybe even five you know (laughs) there's something wrong yeah it's not christmas dinner is it there's enough vegetables to feed a small army richer and, and and more indulgent than it would be you know your parsnips are glazed with honey you've probably got almonds and bacon tossed in with the brussels sprouts there's a lot of flavours there. So you're going to need something that's going to stand out and, and can hold up to all of those. And so I took a leaf out of, uh, you know, the Americans. They're the biggest turkey fans that I know. Um, so I thought an American-style IPA, another favourite brewery. I spent quite a lot of time out in uh, Norfolk and used to run a pub down that way, is um, Adnam's New England IPA. Again, lots of hops, gentle bitterness. They use an American yeast and they use lots of dry hopping in there as well. So it's it's full of tropical and citrus notes, but it's it's a really powerfully flavoured beer that I think you'd need to match up with all those flavours with your dinner. It certainly is. I mean, I'm based in, in Suffolk myself. I know Adnams very well. And it's it's a very different beer to, to some of those more traditional beers. The, the American influence has certainly come on in the last few years and, and is much more up there with their other, other brands. Yeah, I mean, there's a big movement, isn't there, into sort of American-style IPAs, these big, really powerful um, hoppy beers. And I have to say, I'm a big fan. I like traditional bitters. I like rich sticky dark treacly beers which we'll come on to later and i and i like refreshing uh ipas and adnams have certainly managed to do that with some of their collaborations it's a really good beer and we've mentioned the the turkey and for many it is the centerpiece but of course for many it won't be the centerpiece because there'll be people who perhaps don't eat meat for some, I think salmon is becoming quite a big Christmas dinner or even Boxing Day dinner. There are people who who are cutting down or don't want to eat meat and uh, fish is a good option. Salmon on croute is a kind of a bit of a showstopper. That's your, you know, your salmon baked in a puff pastry crust with probably some other things in there, some rice and some uh, baby spinach. Salmon, again, you know, rather like the smoked salmon earlier, it's an oily, strongly flavoured fish. So you're going to need something that can help cut through that with a bit of acidity. And another thing you'll find that helps uh, cleanse your palate is beers that are relatively highly carbonated or are that little bit more fizzy as well. So with that in mind, it sort of gave me the idea of a a Belgium small beer. And there's a a great uh, burning sky uh, slow beer which is slow fermented and it's barrel aged in wine beers that gives it a kind of 
um, really complex flavor. And going back to when we were starting and saying, you know, let's do beer as an alternative to wine. Um, this is one of those beers that's really got that uh, level of complexity and depth of flavor that perfectly matches the fish. And that's that's what's known as a, a saison, isn't it? It is a saison. There's a pub not far from me that, that specializes in saisons and sours. And I'm always a little bit wary. I have tried sours and I'm, I'm not overly keen, but I think I really need to kind of expand, you know, and, and find some that I, I do like because I can't just keep going to this pub and, and drinking the, the standard um, local brewery beer that they, they have. I, I need to sort of try some. So the, so the one that you're mentioning there, um, the, the Burning Sky Perhaps that would be a good one to start with, do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think this comes back to this whole package of we're talking about beer and food pairing. And there are wines that you would drink really just with food. And so I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I, I don't think I could probably drink that beer all evening, but I will quite happily have a glass of that beer with that part of my meal or with my meal. And I think that's maybe one of those beers that would be great with food, great partnering with something but perhaps just not for your personal taste to, to sit there as a session brew for an evening and and, and certainly with some of the, the strongly flavored beers that are available now you wouldn't want to do that anyway so christian there talking about um, the savory aspects of the christmas dinner and what you might want to, to drink with it and uh, we'll be coming on to the sweet in in just a moment but again more food for thought there or indeed beer for thought there about what we're going to have with our our christmas lunch i mean it's i think it's it could be tricky in some households if you've got um members of the family who perhaps aren't camera members trying to persuade them to sit down with say a a glass of timothy taylor's landlord instead of that wine they've been saving especially for christmas but i'm prepared to give it a go what about you guys (laughs) well i definitely will but uh, maybe one option is just to go for both i mean it is christmas after all so there's another option Uh, and it's surprising when you um give people a glass of something uh quite often even try putting beer or cider it's certainly cider into a wine glass and just give them a little sip and when you challenge the pre conceptions by not telling them what it is and they just give it a little sip you can surprise people Uh, they realize they actually do like something they think they didn't so that's quite a good way of getting people to try something different yeah i i mean i liked uh, the idea of all the sparkling ciders you were talking about earlier alison and i'm i'm thinking of doing the same getting a little sort of um champagne flute or whatever and uh, and and putting some of these ciders into it and um just saying oh i I bet you haven't tried this before (laughs) and not not telling them exactly what it is so yeah, I have to say I do that all the time at tastings uh, I open people up uh, with a with a glass of something beautiful and fizzy and as they're sipping it and tell me how, how delicious it is I say aha that's cider don't you know not wine <laughs> and that works that seems to work really well uh, to open people's minds up to to something that perhaps they haven't tried for quite some time yeah but yeah beer and food matching is quite an art isn't it and uh, at Christmas time and, and New Year it's, it's a great opportunity where we've got time with friends and family at the table to really play around with those options uh, for guidance if you'd like a little more there are some really useful videos on the learning discovery section of the camera website uh, i say that 
I know for a fact because I actually did two of the videos. Um, so there, there's a bit of guidance there about the type of thing you might want to choose. So there's a video about cider and food matching and then another one about beer and food matching. So do jump on there and take a look because they may give you some ideas. And of course, don't forget to, to let us know on social media what you'll be having with your Christmas dinner. Maybe we're inspiring you on this episode. Maybe you've already got your Christmas beers lined up. But uh, look for Pubs Pints people on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and let us know what you're having if you're not quite decided yet let's move on to the pudding and all the sweet things definitely my favorite part of christmas day and back to hear from christian and and see what he's got lined up there okay so let's get the chocolate one out of the way first because we can kind of do christmas pudding christmas cake mince pies and all things dried fruit in what in one big big hit i mean christmas christmas chocolate cake uh or or a brownie uh i think people just want something rich and indulgent and you're going to want something that really really sort of pairs exceptionally well with that one of the great food and beer pairings is chocolate and porter you've got hints of malt and coffee and and licorice and indeed chocolate in the malting process that goes into to make the ingredients in the porter and that little hint of bitterness those flavors complement each other so much and, and there's lots of recipes for chocolate cake that indeed have porters and even slightly more bitter stouts in there but i have gone for a slightly left of field one on this one there is an absolutely amazing porter if you can get it and it's called death by coconut and it's almost like a dream made in heaven not only is it a porter but it's a coconut flavor porter and that's another great combination with chocolate so like a sort of a beer that's a a kind of bounty bar beer that's brilliant i love that it is a beer it is like liquid bounty bar if you actually read their merchandising and their material i think they describe it as like a winter alternative to a pina colada without the pineapple i mean it is just so drinkable it's so indulgent it's so it is it's liquid bounty bar i should have just come up with that i'm so sad that i didn't come up with that one myself that is brilliant (laughs) but I suppose, I mean, you know, that there are some people who think that bounty bars are the work of the devil. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some fantastic chocolate porters out there anyway, and chocolate and vanilla stouts. Um. Absolutely. You you want that hint of bitterness, the semi-sweetness. There's a great thing in sort of food and drink pairing that you match sweetness with sweetness. So if you have something that's really, really bitter or really, really acidic, it's not going to pair well with that food. The acidity is great when we were talking earlier earlier about cutting through fatty foods and your smoked salmons and your turkeys but what you want here is you want that sweetness like the dessert wine that you 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 mentioned so a porter chocolate porter great oatmeal stout absolutely wonderful and then you said that we're going to sort of put everything that's uh, fruity whether it's christmas cake or the mince pies or indeed the traditional christmas pudding together with some beer choices there and and i mean if anyone's got any room left after they've had all these different beers and all this christmas dinner they, they might have to wait till maybe about sort of six o'clock in the evening before starting on the christmas cake but i'm sure it'll happen 
I think I think that's traditional, isn't it? You wait almost, you know, till the evening. Although I have to say in my household when I was growing up, by that time the older relatives would be out with the buffet and there would be another sort of seven courses of cold things to eat. So I'm surprised I've managed to actually live this long <laughs> with the amount of food. But anyway, this is where, when I said earlier, Christmas ales do tend to pack a punch. So I think you might want to have a break after your lunch because if you're you're not feeling a little bit sort of uh, merry you probably will be by the time we've hit some of these so christmas cake christmas pudding mince pies you've got flavors of spice lots of sugar and ginger uh, cinnamon nutmeg cloves there's lemon in there orange you want all of those wonderful flavors in a beer and and there's some great ones i mean shepherd neem do an absolutely wonderful amber heady fruity beautiful beer it's available in a bottle it's also available in their pubs in draft St. Peter's, if anybody's a fan of St. Peter's Ale, they do a a really sort of great 7% full-bodied. It's got lots of toffee and caramel and spices. Theakson's also do a fruit cake that they soak the fruit in the beer. That sounds excellent. That's something I do every year. So we're, we're coming up to a thing called Stir Up Sunday, which is traditionally when you made your Christmas puddings. You always soak your, your fruit for your Christmas cake and your Christmas pudding in beer the night before. So uh, I've got some, uh, obviously, Liberation Ale ready to go for that. I mean, there's so many. Harvey's do a, a Christmas ale that's 7.5%. They are those really strong lots of hops in there i mean they're almost sort of the barley wine when you get up to that kind of strength aren't they yeah i mean harvest christmas ale is a, is to all intents a barley wine there's so many i really enjoyed researching a, a little bit for this article and i was overwhelmed by you know how many christmas beers there are one that springs to my mind and I always look for it locally when it gets to this time of year is Adnam's Tally Ho because it's very seasonal. Obviously, it's only around at the Christmas time and other barley wine. But, you know, it just isn't Christmas without it almost. No, and I think, you know, every different brewery has their own sort of little stamp that they put on them. You know, some of them use the spices, some of them use citrus peel, some of them even, I think, use some of the dried fruits to give it those crispy flavours. Yeah, tally-ho, you're taking me back. It's a long time since I've had a pint of that, but it's a delicious ale. And, you know, you you see a lot of the breweries, we've, we've touched on a few there that do Christmas ales. You can often get quite nice presentation bottles at Christmas time, of, of their Christmas ale. It's almost a shame to drink them sometimes, but uh, I, I guess it has to be done. It definitely has to be done. But yes, you're right. And if you're listening to the podcast or if you know somebody who likes uh, real ale, then it's an ideal Christmas present, isn't it? A nice bottle of beer, maybe some uh, crumbly cheese, a piece of fruit cake or a little fruit cake, like we mentioned earlier. But yeah, absolutely wonderful combination. And they're attractive looking presents because they're normally nice presentation boxes as well. Well, thank you very much for all those tips and, and advice. And um, I'm sure that a few of those beers will be on some Christmas tables. Tables, uh, at some point over the festive season and of course enjoy your Christmas dinner Christian. Thank you very much indeed. Do you know when I heard Christian mentioning Stir Up Sunday which I think was just about the time we did that recording I didn't think anyone ever talked about that outside of the archers but, um, <laughs> but apparently Stir Up Sunday and I, I have got a Christmas pudding lined up which has got beer in it so I didn't make it myself though. But, um, but uh, certainly uh, that's what I should be having for Christmas lunch this year. Fabulous. 
Well, we'll be hearing from Christian uh, through the season with some amazing recipes from him and a few food pairings and special treats. Now it's time for our next guests and they're going to be talking about their food and beer matching over at the other side of the Atlantic. We're going west, of course, to the US of A to find out about how to have a Merry Christmas and a few happy beers American style. Our three wise people are Adam Dulé, Brewers Association Executive Chef, Alex Spencer, Head Brewer at DC Brow Brewing Company, and with them Lottie Peplow, the Brewers Association American Craft Beer Ambassador for Europe, as well as being a camera author. Now, um, yesterday I was flicking through the winter edition of Beer Magazine, and I was uh, delighted to see a great feature on getting beer on the menu in the world of fine dining which is definitely something I'd like to see uh, more of. It's definitely worth checking out just to see the example menu they share, which looks pretty fancy as well. Anyway, over to you, Alison, and uh, your interview with our guests from the Brewers Association. I'm here with Lottie, Adam and Alex, and we're going to have a chat about festive beer and food and good times with a wonderful perspective coming from the States. So thank you all very much for joining me today. Uh, Lottie, first of all, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and tell us where you are, if you would. Hello, everybody, and thank you for that, Addison. Uh, my name is Lottie Peplow. I'm the American Craft Beer Ambassador for Europe for the Brewers Association, and I'm based in a little corner of southwest London. Looking forward to chatting to everybody this afternoon about some lovely beer and food pairings. Thank you very much, Lottie. Welcome. So, Alex, what do you do and where are you in the world? My name is Alex Spencer. I am the head brewer at DC Brow Brewing Company in Washington, DC. Took a little break from the production floor to be with you guys, so I'm uh, sitting here in the office. Well, thank you so much. It's very, very kind of you to join us. We do appreciate it all the way from Washington. Adam, hello. Who are you and where are you in the world? Adam Dooley, Executive Chef and Special Projects for the Brewers Association, currently uh, in Boulder, Colorado. Thank you. What I'd like us to talk about is our ideal festive brews that will go with our festive food. So what I'd like us to think about, first of all, is our pre-dinner beers. What would we like to be drinking pre-dinner? And then what kind of beers would you recommend to match with a festive meal? So, uh, Adam, perhaps you'd like to share with us what your thoughts are. Pre-dinner wise, you know, this is really where for, for me, I work backwards, you know, set everything that you're going to have with the dinner or around the dinner. And then what do you not have that you're looking for? Uh, you know, maybe there's a, a barrel aged beer that you've been holding on to for a while that you just found that didn't quite fit. The rules are, have changed and food is a great way to, to palate cleanse before you do anything. So, you know, there's always that thought of something light, uh, like a Pilsner or a lager, and that's great, but also have a little bit of fun. This is supposed to be festive, right? So look at what you can't use, whether it's a brown ale or a barrel aged beer or a sour, and have that before the meal. So actually organise the food around the beer. Now you're talking, Adam. That sounds like you've got your priorities absolutely right. I love the idea of a sour beer as well. That kind of mouth-watering thing happening before you eat is, is going to fit perfectly with that idea of an aperitif. So getting into the meal, Adam, what would you be recommending to us to match up? 
there's a couple different ways to match up. One is to look at what you have that has got a little bit more fat in it. And if it's something that's a little richer, whether it's uh, something where you've got a lot of butter in your turkey, highly recommend that. Uh, or if you're going with a deeper roast, look to carbonation and alcohol to kind of do those two things. A higher carbonation will help scrub the palate and a little bit of higher alcohol will also help kind of burn things off. Uh, and that'll let things kind of go up into the aroma area and, and mix around there. For me, if it's something where you're roasting, whether it's a beef or a turkey or anything like that, and you're getting crispy skin or caramelization on the outside, that's really where you want to look to the malt in a beer and, and match with a Maillard reaction and go anywhere from a brown ale to a stout to a porter or a dry porter uh, and really enjoy the roast malted notes that come through in some of the great beers out there and how that particularly pairs with the uh, sear and or roast on the outside of the main course. And what about the sweet? What kind of sweet would you be enjoying? And what sort of thing would you match with that? I think you have to have a couple different puddings to finish. You know, that's always the recommendation. Something that's a little heavy and something that's a little lighter. For me, I do love dark chocolate. This is also a good time to play with something cold, whether it's a, a meringue-based dish or an ice cream, because you can get some temperature changes in there, right? If you think about what you just had for your main, everything was hot. And so one of the fun things that you can do with pairing the beer as well is the temp changing the temperature of the food. And I think, you know, for me afterwards, I definitely would be going to uh, probably at first uh, a sour beer, uh, something maybe with some fruit in it, a fruit and sour, maybe with a Saison base and just kind of get that carbonation up there. And then definitely finish with just a big, rich, heavy uh, beer to sip on, whether it's uh, going deeper into the sour with a creek or going more towards like a barrel-aged imperial stout. Oh, yeah. So that chocolate match is an interesting one, isn't it? You're mentioning a, a chocolate dessert there. What would be your sort of ultimate match with that big, heavy, dark chocolate dessert? You know, it really depends. If I was doing something where it was dark chocolate and I actually had a pie crust on it and I uh, had a little bit of cream on there, I'd actually go lighter on the beer. Uh, you know, I might look towards like a brown ale or even like a uh, a lower hopped pale ale uh, to go there with it because you really can let the chocolate go there. One of the things I try to avoid is is having chocolate with like an imperial stout because then you have chocolate on chocolate. And for me, I want to enjoy the dark chocolate for what it is in the chocolate and then for what it is in the beer separately. Brilliant. So you're you're creating that separation and keeping the uh, keeping the palate excited by that. Thank you. I'm going to go to Alex now. Alex, talk us through your pre-dinner and then your uh, pairing dinners, festive dinner matches. Pre-dinner, uh, I'm definitely going to want to go something, you know, more nuanced, subtle and balanced. So as far as pre-drinking, you know, I might go Pilsner, Hellas, you know, a lighter lager, maybe a, uh, a subtle pale ale, golden ale, bitter, something like that. Definitely want to steer away from, you know, the big IPAs or the, the big barrel-aged beers or the sours, anything that's going to uh, assault your palate from the start. And then take us through your sort of festive meal. What kind of thing would you be eating and what would you be drinking with it? Holiday meals, you know, it's it's rich, it's heavy, it's it's fatty, and I want something that's going to cut through that. When it comes to the stuffing and turkey, I want something light, dry, fruity, and spicy, and, and I'm going Belgian. A golden strong ale, a triple, maybe even a wit beer, something that's going to, you know, provide a counterpoint to all that, uh, you know, rich holiday food. So thinking about puddings, what sort of thing would you be having for puddings, and what would you be matching? You want something that's really going to finish everything off, you know, and if you have any sort of lighter, fruitier fare, I'm going to go, you know, barrel-aged stout, barrel-aged barley wine. Um, if you have something sweeter, chocolate, ice cream, maybe I'm going, you know, a fruited sour, a creek, a fruited lambic, something like that. 
some great decisions there, definitely. I'm going to move on to Lottie now because I know she's got some suggestions, particularly for puddings that might be a bit more familiar. But what, first of all, what would you have pre-dinner, Lottie? I think I'd start pretty light with a nice, uh, a nice crisp Helles lager, or I might even have a non-alcoholic beer, just to be very, very different. Uh, and then, uh, and then I'd move, um, move into the meal and, and ramp things up. But there's so many elements of the traditional Christmas UK uh, dinner that I think you kind of need a different beer for each part. So turkey, obviously, the main component. That's you know, like like Adam was saying, very rich, very but very fatty. Uh, and that would be great with a something like a brown ale or a porter to cut through all that that richness. But then you've got your Brussels sprouts with that earthy bitterness, and I think a nice pale ale or a not too heavy IPA would would go really well with that, with a sort of bitter, resiny, citrusy, hot profile that would work well with your with your sprouts. And then you've got cranberry sauce with its hint of acidity. So I think you need a, a light sour beer or a goza to go with that. So I would try and have lots of different beers with my actual main course. And then, of course, pudding. In the UK, it's always got to be Christmas pudding, full of dried fruits and prunes and raisins and then smothered in some sort of brandy sauce or brandy butter. If you're cooking your Christmas pudding yourself, you can soak the fruit in bourbon or even a bourbon barrel-aged stout. And to have that alongside the pudding as well would be absolutely sublime. So that is definitely what I'm going to do. Now, we've eaten this big meal and then, of course... Perhaps we've got cheese, but perhaps we're just going to cut straight to the post-prandial drink or the after-dinner sipper. So this is where perhaps we might roll out something that we've been saving or looking forward to. So, Adam, what would you be reaching for come the after-dinner moment? I think that that's kind of dependent on how much you eat. So you need to have a couple options here. If you have self-control, then this is where you can break out something really special, just rich malt or barrel aging or a deep, deep sour, something like a barrel aged triple here or a big imperial stout. But if you overate, I think this is where you kind of go to, okay, I need something a little more on the digestif route. And this is where I'd go to like a really light uh, fruited sour, like a goza and just let the kind of like light carbonation dance on the palate and the subtle notes of acid kind of, kind of trickle down. Then maybe you can make it back to your special treat. It sounds fabulous. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Alex, what about you? What are you reaching for at the end of a meal this year? I'm going big. Barrel-aged barley wine, the oldest I can find. If I happen to have some Thomas Hardy lying around, that's definitely where I'm going. Boozy, sweet, heavy, rich, and something that's just going to knock you out after it. Lottie, what about yourself? Well, I'm also going to go big, finish strong. I'll go for a big bourbon barrel aged, a big imperial stout or something that that I've been saving or that's a a special sort of bottle that's got to be shared and it's got maybe a nice wax top on it and has been saving. So um, that'll be the perfect opportunity to crack it open, I think. We have mapped out a very exciting eating and drinking list. I'm wondering, Adam, if there's a particular beer you're looking forward to enjoying this year, if anyone's traveling over to the States, what should they be looking for? If you find yourself somewhere on the East Coast, try for Allagash's Triple. If you find yourself in the Midwest, Boulevard Tank 7 has got some incredible carbonation. If you happen to find yourself out on the West Coast, the brewery has some amazing sours to pull from, as well as some amazing barrel-aged beers that could kind of hit that sweet treat area. Alex, what about you? What are you going to be uh, really looking forward to drinking? I'm always going to go for Duvel. You know, it's just one of the best Belgian strong ales out there. 
shameless plug, we just dropped our uh, bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout. So I will definitely be sharing a couple of cans of that with family. Anything else that you would sort of recommend as a style that perhaps we could look for here in the UK? I'm always a uh, a big sucker for those English barley wines. Now, Lottie, I know you have a, a pretty good feel for what's available. Uh, and you were going to talk to us about some of the uh, beers from the US that might be available here in the UK at the moment. We're extremely lucky to have a new, massive, imported American craft beer showcase throughout the Home Bargains retail chain. Now, there are 400 of these outlets and they should all be stocking these three American craft breweries. The promotion starts on the 14th of December and the three breweries are DC Brown from Washington, Paradox Brewing Company from North Hudson in New York and Upslope Brewing Company from Boulder in Colorado. DC Brown is already available in the UK, but... Paradox and Upslope are making their UK debut. Go to the Home Bargain Locator store on the website, type in your postcode on the 14th of December uh, and um, get some of these amazing beers. And there's six different beers coming over, various different styles, Pilsners, IPAs, there's a Porter, there's even a Dortmund Exports type of beer. If you can't get to Home Bargains, you can get them online from Beers of Europe, the website. They have quite a good selection. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us and talking about your festive brews. Adam, thank you so much for joining us from the Brewers Association. Thank you so much for having me. Alex, thank you for joining us from DC Brow and stopping brewing briefly to chat to us. Pleasure to be here. And Lottie, thanks for getting us organised with our US brews for Christmas. You're very welcome. Uh, Thank you all. It was really interesting talking to people uh, so far away, but hearing them uh, just as excited as we are about making some great plans for their their seasonal meals. Of course, they've just had Thanksgiving there, so they've already had one of their big occasions. Uh, But there's no doubt that some of those beers they mention, we can't currently get here. Uh, So if any of you are planning a trip across the Atlantic next year, then maybe scribble down the name of some of those beers that they mentioned at the end and see if you can find them when you're on your travels. And I suppose we should also say as well that some of our guests today have been talking about uh, perhaps some of the bigger names, the ones that uh, you might find more widely on sale in, in the UK. But don't forget to, to visit brewery's own website and, and you know order online now because so I mean I, I ordered from a brewery just the other week that I it was a Black Friday deal actually I might mention it later on but I'd never heard of them somebody recommended them and yeah you know they're, they're I think they're a fairly small outfit but they're shipping their beers all over the place yeah definitely and don't forget to pop into your local independent if you're lucky enough to have a local independent beer shop close to you or an independent wine shop even that stocks beer pop in chat to the people behind the counter they'll be able to recommend you something and they know what they're talking about absolutely i wrote an article recently about an independent beer shop in norfolk and they only sell norfolk beers um and the, the guy was so knowledgeable um a real joy to to go into the shop and and again a selection of independent breweries beers makes a great christmas gift but anyway let's uh, let's move on to away from perhaps um food and and beer pairings in in future to our only here for the beer section of the podcast which we do every episode of course and uh, this is where we visit or or at least um hypothetically visit a, a pub that has featured in in the good beer guide either in the current edition or, or a regular stalwart of it over the years and uh, some of those pubs that either we know well or we haven't been to for a while but would like to get back to again and, and visit again and uh, it's certainly 
with the Good Beer Guide just, just coming out at the moment. A uh, good chance to, to find out what's in it and, and maybe order it for Christmas. Um, who wants to start? Well, I'll plunge right in because um, I've just been having a great uh, experience at the Royal Oak in Southwark. Uh, of course, that's Harvey's own brew tap, and we have some fantastic Harvey's seasonal ales in there, as well as one of my absolute favourites. They're dark, mild, and they're amazing old ales, so smooth and malty and delicious. So really, really recommend that to you. And another one, as I do run a, a micro pub, I can strongly recommend the River Ale House in Greenwich as well. That's a fantastic micro uh, with a great host there. So a, a brilliant uh, beer selection on offer there. And then finally, I'm really looking forward in the new year. Uh, we're taking a couple of weeks off. We're closing the pub for a couple of weeks in January and we'll be heading off for a, bit, a few beer travels. And we've booked to stay at the Horse and Jockey in Stapleford, New Beeston. And that's one of the top 16 uh, pubs in the year. That's, that's a part of the uh, Camera Pub of the Year competition as we were here at the Hop In. But we're really curious to try it and we've booked to stay with them there. So we're looking forward to sampling some of their beers. And then we're off to Sheffield. So we'll be bothering quite a few of the good beer guide recommendations in Sheffield on our trip there. Are you, are you visiting the Frog and Parrot in Sheffield? Oh, I absolutely hope so. Yes, that we're we're going to squeeze in as many as we can. Yeah, I I I, I say I have some memories of visiting the um, Frog and Parrot. I actually have no memory at all, <laughs> <laughs> other, than, other than being helped out of there with some student friends. But That's sometimes <laughs> a very good sign. Claire. <laughs> Simon, what, what, what's your good beer guide pick for? For this episode, I'm, I'm, I'm very envious of the schedule that Alison's got lined up. That sounds like a fantastic uh, journey around the country and uh, going into some some excellent pubs. Um, but as, as for myself, um, as, as someone who passes through London on a regular basis, uh, I can't resist popping into the Waterloo Tap, which is a couple of minutes walk from Waterloo Station. It's been in the Good Beer Guide for a few years now, uh, and you're always guaranteed to have usually four or five um, excellently kept cask ales on, as well as some fantastic keg beers. But I'll also be popping up to the other end of the country uh, in December. Uh, I'll be uh, making a flying visit to Edinburgh uh, for my dad's 80th birthday. Uh, and hopefully I'll have time to pop into uh, the Guildford Arms, which I haven't checked, but I'd be very surprised if that's not in the Good Beer Guide. Well, I'm sticking with um, the Bedfordshire theme for this episode because we will be hearing about um, the Bedford and North Bedfordshire branch of Camera um, shortly. But uh, I'm going to South Bedfordshire for a pub that I haven't been in for, oh, I'm guessing a good 25 years. But I'm delighted to see that it is still in the Good Beer Guide. Um, I think it's been a stalwart of the of the book, to be honest, over the years. It's the Globe in Dunstable. They've just had a big refurb and it looks lovely from the pictures that I've seen. They feature usually up to about seven changing beers. I mean, it's just a real good local pub. I think they've, they've won local camera pub of the year in the past and they have local breweries on Tring Brewery, for example, three brewers of St Albans. It's a great pub for camera members. Uh, as I say, I haven't been in there for a long time, but uh, fond memories of it. And uh, next time in, in the area, the Globe in Dunstable is where I will be heading. They, they they have a lovely, or they certainly did, as I recall, a traditional town pub atmosphere. I'm sure that probably hasn't changed. So, yeah, I shall definitely be visiting the Globe in Dunstable again. Now, sticking with Bedfordshire, we're going to be moving over to our host city of Bedford. But we do have some breaking camera news just in. I am very pleased to report two brilliant awards were given to camera books by the British Guild of Beer Writers. 
one to the amazing Johnny Garrett and his year on year in beer. And I can recommend that book. I've, I've absolutely loved that one. And one to the legendary Gabe Cook, of course. His camera published Modern British Cider um, was available at our shop on camera. So if you haven't had that yet, maybe that's the perfect gift for someone you know who's interested in getting into cider. And of course, there are many other excellent books and merchandise perfect for your loved ones, friends and family. It's an excellent place to pick up a few presents. And just while we're talking all things good about camera, um, you'll have heard one or two mentions for the excellent Learn and Discover uh, platform so far. Uh, but if you haven't visited the Learn and Discover section of camera's website before, then you really are missing out. It's worth popping over there now. There's two new videos which have just been released. The first one worth a mention is an introduction to Belgian beer by the renowned expert Tim Webb. Tim was the author of the Good Beer Guide Belgium for an impressive 30 years. Uh, this video was filmed by Bill Bradshaw in association with Visit Flanders. And I suspect that uh, by the time you finish watching uh, this video, uh, your, your mouth will be drooling over some of the beers. You'll be impressed by some of the, the sights that you're seeing. And you, you might even be rushing off to book a, book a mini beer break before you know it. And Johnny Garrett's also created a video to go with his camera book, The World's Greatest Beers, and that features a range of really interesting guests. Well worth a, a look, even if you haven't got the book yet. And as usual, we have links to all of these that we mention in the show notes. Alison, you mentioned uh, earlier a couple of pieces that you've done on Learn and Discover. That's something that uh, you're, you're sort of doing quite a bit for now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I love um, the Learning and Discovery platform. I think there's some fantastic material in there. In fact, um, all of our team here at the Hop In, we really try and encourage them to to log in there uh, and use those resources because there's so much that you can gather in terms of improving your own knowledge uh, and expertise. And of course, that just adds to the enjoyment when you are sipping a beer or a cider. So yeah, I really am a great advocate of it and uh, I hope to make some more films in the new year for them because that's something I really enjoy. And just mentioning um, the, the Hop In, you've won some awards recently as well. Oh, well, I was far too modest to mention it, obviously, Claire. <laughs> no, we've been uh, absolutely delighted uh, to receive the uh, London Camera Pub of the Year uh, for the second year running. So we are absolutely thrilled to get that. Um, considering some of the other amazing pubs around London, we are absolutely uh, beyond chuffed to get that uh, and thank the uh, London Camera Committee uh, for finding us uh, that, that wonderful award again. Uh, and then the other thing I'm particularly proud about is that we've just received the, the UK Cider and Perry Pub of the Year Awards. So again, uh, that is superb. And we're looking forward to doing more campaigning and more work with Cider and Perry in the new year, uh, as well as I'm, I'm organising the London Cider Club, a uh, London Cider and Perry Club. So if anyone's interested, uh, have a look on social media, have a look on Eventbrite, uh, and you can join us there as well. So there's a lot going on. Alison, I have to say, you know, London has got such a fantastic uh, range of pubs uh, to visit. The fact that uh, the Hop In has won the award two years in a row uh, is, is an absolutely massive achievement. So congratulations uh, to yourself, your husband and, and the rest of the team that run uh, the Hop In. Thank you. Now, moving on, we're going to pay a visit to one of Camera's branches, which truly represents the grassroots of the organisation. They are the ones that drive campaigning in the area, keep their eyes on local developments and ensure the Good Beer Guide is com kept completely up to date. If you're a camera member and aren't in touch or involved with your local branch, then now is probably an excellent time to reach out, as I'm sure many of them will be organising some kind of Christmas party or pub crawl during the month of December. 
Yeah, I've certainly been on one or two of those um, camera branch pub crawls in my time. So this month we're heading to Bedford where I met the branch chair, Peter Argyle, and also the area organiser, Roger Stokes, to find out what's happening on their local beer and cider scene. Well, I started off talking to Roger about a name that's really synonymous with Bedford, and that's Charles Wells. The biggest change, I suppose, is that a few years ago they sold the brewery on Havelock Street to Marston's and it's now been sold on again to Estrella Dam, which is not good news for us because I think they're going into basically lager production. But they have opened their new brewery, drawing on the same water supply, just to the north of the town centre with rather better transport uh, arrangements for serving their estate of pubs. And they still have quite a big estate of pubs, don't they, Peter? Yeah, this is Brewpoint we're talking about, the new brewery. Yes. Which, of course, won a design award, and well, after our nomination, a uh, design award for a new build pub, which uh, we were very pleased about. I saw some pictures of it. It looks a fantastic building. But yes, it is. It's very, very impressive. For modern architecture, it's not everybody likes. It's actually much more comfortable and pleasant a place to be in than you might think from the outside. But also, I suppose, you know, breweries have to think this way. They need their, they need to kind of future-proof what they're doing. They need a, something that's going to be sustainable. It's probably not easy when, you know, when you're coming up with these sort of designs for new premises, new pubs, new breweries and that sort of thing. After the effort that went into it, we obviously want to be, it to be a success. So anything we've done to try and promote that um, is, is all positive news, really. And, and they have got room on the site for quite significant further expansion. That's good Good news that they're able to still expand because it must have been probably something that, that felt much missed, the old Eagle Brewery, the, the original company. I know everything moves on and it's great that they're still going, but was it a worrying time perhaps uh, in more recent years? Did you ever think Charles Wells might disappear altogether? I think we did at one stage when they sold the brewery and then went in for this thing called the Wandering Brewer, uh, where their brewer went round brewing in different partner breweries around the country. Uh, and they kept saying, oh, we're going to open this new plant. But at one stage, we didn't believe it until we realised something was happening and the building was going up. And are the Wells family or the original people who were with the company for a long time, are they still involved in, in any way? Because for a long time it was the Wells family, wasn't it? I believe it still is a family-owned company. Well, the CEO is Peter Wells. He's the man who actually took the award when we made the uh, New Design Award, went along with the certificate. It was Peter Wells, who is the chief executive officer, I think, now. It must be so so difficult for family-run businesses, whatever they are, to weather the storms that you know the economy, the pandemic, and all sorts of things have thrown at them in in recent years. Fantastic that a, a family business like this can reinvent itself and keep going. It is. They are changing their model to an extent in that they like a number of areas. I think there is a shortage of tenants. There's one group of three pubs locally with Admiral Taverns that I've heard the licensee of all of them has given up. And so, one, they've got a new licensee in, and two, they're looking for new licensees. And I've just got that news today. 
Yes, and those are, as you say, Admiral Tavern's pubs, but, yeah, um, but, but licensed. Uh, well, Wells are moving more towards a managed estate. They've fairly recently opened a pub on the northern outskirts of Bedford, the built-up bit of Bedford, and another one closer into the centre. And I think that is the way they're moving because of the difficulty of getting and keeping tenants. There's another one in coming Kempston going the same way as well. Hmm. I think Green King have had the same problems. With, yes, yeah. I think I think Green King. I mean, again, a, a huge pub company these days, but they, they've had to sort of change their model, I, I think, and and look at different ways of managing and, and running their pubs. And I suppose that's the same, really, whether you're a small freehouse or part of a much bigger organisation. The, the world of the pub is changing. I think that let us say free houses that are owned independently rather than by a pub car seem to be having a slightly better time. I think they get a better financial deal than pubs that are rented from bigger pub co's. And we are finding people saying, uh, are pulling out, and quite a number of licensees are resigning. They're usually coming from Pocahontas, and unfortunately, includes Wells and Green King. But those that are owned privately seem to pay, must be coming up to some kind of deal for the coming winter. They expect they can survive generally. So we're rather hopeful with those. It is a difficult time for, for pubs. We've mentioned it many times on the podcast. I mean, energy bills are going up. The cost of materials for brewing the beer is going up. And, and at the end of the day, everyone has a bit less money in their pocket to spend down the pub. How do you see the, the future in your part of Bedfordshire? I think it, another thing that does affect us is large parts of the county are rural and the cutback on rural bus services, particularly in the evenings, is hitting pub attendance. And even in the town, when they had our beer festival in October, it was noticeable that people were leaving a lot earlier in the evening than we were used to in the past. So people are having to economise, and it is affecting the footfall in the pubs. And Peter, you've, you've lived in the area a long time. You've been part of Camera for a long time. Do you find that there's much that Camera can do? You know, we can't go out there and spend the money for them, really, can we? We, we can simply do our best to support the pubs. As you say, we can't spend the money for them, but we can encourage people to use pubs when possible. I mean, those publicans that have got a bit of talent for you know, diversifying the business, of course, and there are some like that, um, that are running all, uh, other kinds of businesses. One that goes and does bars outside when they're having the pub actually renovated at the moment and actually set up a little pop-up bar in a barn next door. So the, the locals are still keeping in touch. And there are things that publicans can do they've got the imagination and had to put a bit of effort into it. So good to see that. And actually, they're looking at it the other way. Somebody who has, has got a business in running bars elsewhere has recently taken over one of the Wells pubs in town. So if I was to visit Bedford this week, what sort of mix of the of pubs would I find? Are, are you still getting a, a good mix of, of free houses and, and a wide range of beers for sale? In Bedford itself, there is one pub in particular, the Wellington Arms, which has a long history. It's recently had a change of ownership and that is opening up its range of beers again, which is good to see. There are some pubs where people are being innovative, as Peter said, you mentioned the closure of shops, and I think there's a possibility there to follow what happens a lot in Ireland in that local pubs also become the local shop, which will get two birds with one stone, so to speak. Yeah. 
you almost see it's a micro pub. Shops could very easily be partly used as micro pubs. Oh yes, there is a micro pubs as well. They they're growing up as well in various places, which is good. And we've got the World Cup on at the moment. Do you think that's going to help your your pubs in the Bedford area? Probably will this week, you know, the next couple of weeks, people will go on to the pub. Whether that's not going to run through the winter, is it? No, I think it is seeking to get people in. But I think with a lot of these things, do things to get people through the door. If you get them through the door, they like what they see, then there's a much better chance of them staying or coming back again. And that is what we've got to do, is to get people through the door of the pub, yeah. seeing what lovely atmosphere you can have in a community pub, and say, yeah, this is somewhere to be. And that's where we can help, perhaps, through for the branch magazines, yeah. through what we do on Facebook and what we do on, online. There's ways in which we can provide that kind of support. Mm. It's important for camera to do that everywhere, I think, at the moment. And you have a, a magazine that I, I've been reading it online, but I imagine it's distributed to local pubs as well, is it? Yes, yes, the Firkin. There's another one just about to come out. So look, look out for the latest issue of the Firkin. And, of course, uh, Peter, a plug for the website. Northbeds.camera.org.uk Now we're going to stay in Bedford a little bit longer. As we hear from James Hunter, who is head brewer at Wells & Co's Brewpoint Brewery in Bedford. The ultra-modern brewery has recently won the Camera Pub Design Award in the New Build category for its stunning design and big point. 10% ABV was just recently voted silver in the International Beer Challenge. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? If you're ever in Bedford, I'd highly recommend you visit their state-of-the-art brewery and try some of their beers for yourself. Yeah, certainly Peter and Roger were very proud of, uh, of all their achievements, as, as we heard in the interview. And here's James now speaking about a very special beer that they've been working on for the festive season. It's called Big Point Eclipse. It's an imperial stout, weighs in at 12.2% ABV. Flavours include coffee, chocolate, Jamaica cake. Do I really need to say more or should we just let James explain it all? Hello, everyone. My name is James Hunter. I'm the head brewer at Wells & Co's Bedford-based brewery, Brewpoint, the newest evolution of Wells & Co. Today, I am here to talk for a couple of minutes about the process behind our latest barrel-aged project release from our Big Point series, as well as a bit of a discussion on some food that may pair well with it. It's always fascinating creating a Imperial Stout. It's arguably one of the biggest beer styles out there. It's rich and almost over the top in every way. Body, malt character, residual sweetness, bitterness, the influence of the barrels. You put all of that together and you get an incredibly heavy, yet when done well, balanced beer that can be deceptively easy to drink. The way we've styled Eclipse, our 12.2% blended barrel-aged imperial stout, was to begin with an incredibly complex grist bill of nine grains, supported by two big American hops for bittering. Fermented with a powerful ale yeast, and aged in a blend of rye whiskey, bourbon whiskey, and cognac casks. The base beer brings roasted grains, dark chocolate, and cold-brewed coffee, which, after the time in barrels, seamlessly layers in with the barrel's influence, the treacle, vanilla bean, Jamaica cake, and a hint of leather and smoke. The mouthfeel is silky, yet finishes with assertive bitterness, which stops it being too sweet, with comforting warmth and the vibrant oak character from relatively young barrels. 
Food pairing for an imperial stout such as this is all about the word rich. And I don't mean cake rich. I mean rich flavors of meat, cheese, vanilla ice cream, truffles, oysters, anything that has enough body to support itself and not be overwhelmed by those complex characters that we just heard about. Don't be afraid to branch out a little. Try dark, beefy or venison stews, steak pies, such as a steak and Stilton pie, boiled bacon and cabbage, even American-style barbecue, if that's where your interest is. But that's being said, at the end of the day, there's always something comforting about drinking a great beer. We all have a unique palate, and there's nothing I like more than learning about a new pairing idea that I hadn't thought of. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you enjoy Big Point Eclipse if you manage to get yourself a bottle. Gosh, Eclipse really does sound like it'd be the perfect uh, beer for Christmas time. That mention of Jamaica cake has uh, really intrigued me. Um, but I hope we've given you some uh, some other ideas across this episode for uh, ciders, beers and perries that uh, you might want to experience during the festive period. As ever, links are provided in the show notes if you want to find out more about anything we've spoken about. Also, I just want to take a chance to make sure that uh, you're following us uh, on Twitter at Pubs Pints People. We do genuinely love to hear from you and get, get your feedback uh, either on, on social media, uh, Twitter or Instagram. Or, of course, you can email the show at podcast at camera.co.uk. And we're on Facebook as well with um, pub, Pubs Pints people. You can find us there as well. We'll be back in the new year with our new beer resolutions. That's on the 11th of January with a special feature on two winter beer festivals in Tewkesbury and Chesterfield. And you can find the podcast, of course, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. So do tune in to Pubs Pints people. But as ever, before we go, we always talk about our last orders, what we've been drinking I was actually at a at a Christmas meal last night where the the beer on offer was a, a winter ale from I've mentioned them earlier in the podcast Wibblers Brewery of Essex. It was called Santa's Night Off. Really enjoyed it, and I I think they've had to change the pub clip, the the pump clip. They they had one that um, perhaps wasn't quite as family friendly for Santa's Night Off as it as it might have been. I won't go into any more detail. You can look it up on the internet if you're really interested. But they now have a family friendly pump clip. So if you're a pub that's been thinking oh don't know if i can put that one on uh, you can you can because uh, it's a lovely beer and um and nobody will be offended by the pump clip good to know i've been very lucky because uh, obviously i get to taste all the delicious beers that we have coming into the hop in but one i'm really looking forward to getting in the stillage and serving is an amazing beer from harvey's the bonfire boy uh, this is one that's very session seasonal very special uh, and a lots of really distinctive harvey's flavor absolutely beautiful Another one perfect for this time of year I was just enjoying is a beautiful stout from Three by Mice and Ampersand Brewery called Mittens Version 1. And that is unbelievably cocoa. Uh, it's creamy. It's smooth. It's a fabulous stout, that one. And then absolutely lovely Belgian beer from La Chouf, their Enice Donker which manages to have a sort of brown bread and spice note, as well as that lovely sort of Belgian fruity touch as well, but incredibly balanced and one that you could certainly sip uh, and, and make you feel very seasonal. I can't not mention a cider, of course, and the Newt cider in Somerset, uh, are amazing and they've been releasing some single variety apples uh, and their Davenet is just sensational. Their bottled Davenet, well worth a try. 
Uh, I'm going to stick on the, the bottle theme as well. Um, one that I tried a couple of days ago was actually from Camden Brewery. It was a, an Imperial Pilsner, which they released uh, probably 12 months ago now, so it's 2021. Um, but it comes in at, I think, around 11%. So uh, for, for a Pilsner, incredibly strong. Um, Alison, very much reminding me of, of, of drinking champagne or perhaps some of the sparkling um, ciders that you've spoken about. So uh, that was a very enjoyable beer. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, December and winter period is also the season for Fuller's Vintage Ale, which I think you can find in, in, in quite a few shops at the moment. So uh, I did my customary thing of buying two, one which I will put aside for a future year and one which I will probably drink over the Christmas period. Well, if you're, if you're sticking on, um, on bottled beers as well, can I mention a second one? I'm actually going to go to, to the, the no and low section now because uh, I mentioned a Black Friday deal I got the other day on a recommendation of a friend. This is from Nirvana Brewery in East London. It's their dark and rich stout. Um, I ordered 12 bottles of it. I'd never tried it before, so it's a bit of a, a leap of faith, but I really enjoyed it. It's zero alcohol. It's got a dark and rich flavour. For me, I suppose I felt that it was maybe a little more porterish than stout, but that, that might just be me. Uh, hints of vanilla, chocolate aroma flavours in there as well and if you're getting to the end of Christmas Day you think I really should not have any more alcohol then I can certainly recommend Nirvana Brewery's Dark and Rich Stout and uh, I've got a few bottles of it to keep me going through Christmas. So plenty of ideas for everybody there to think about and try and obviously don't forget to enjoy your live ale on cask in your local pub. Now before we sign off we need to say a huge thank you to all of the volunteers who helped to make this podcast happen. Alongside myself, regular host Claire and Simon, who act as volunteers, we're supported by a fantastic crew of producers, editors and script writers. Thank you to Mark Lovett for pulling together today's script, Simon Price, Simon Clark, and the amazing Dave King for editing. And until next time, have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Cheers! Cheers, Cheers everybody! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Derges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia... Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5 and 2, dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.